So I'll uh, say some some words, few words, and then guide us. And you're welcome to just listen uh, with your eyes open or closed. It's a new day and new moment, as as each moment is. And so in our practice, I want to just uh, highlight three facets. Um, one is, is the, the attitude of our mind. The attitude of our mind is, is important because... Um, to really become intimate with our experience, we have to have an attitude that is uh, welcoming enough. Sense of gentleness and um, kind of appreciating the innocence of experience. These thoughts, these feelings, these sensations, these sounds. The quality of um, blamelessness. Just following the laws of uh, nature. And we too, in an important way, treat ourselves as innocent. Not that we don't have bad habits, habits that get us into trouble, that cause ourselves suffering, cause others suffering. But even the habits themselves are innocent. And we have this sense of like, oh yeah, Uh, suffering can be redeemed. Attitudes of mind. And then we have our kind of attentional focus where we, the kind of sense of like a spotlight operator what we put into that spotlight, maybe the breath, maybe our whole body, maybe sound, maybe the words of of a teacher. But we have this sense of like an attentional spotlight that highlights some things and lets, doesn't make everything else vanish, but it just Let's the rest be in the background. And some of our practice, as I'll demonstrate, is about directing attention. But then this third aspect is um, about the effortlessness of awareness. If all we're ever doing is toiling with our attitudes and our attentional spotlight, can get um, busy, kind of turn ourselves into the project and we're the project manager. And so then we also attune to what is effortless about awareness. What if I said, stop being aware, 
you could not stop. That facet of awareness that doesn't need to be propped up by your effort. And we see how these three facets of practice interact. Maybe we begin with a sense of, um, of goodwill for the others around you, for the Sangha. Somehow the, the silence this morning is... Um, in this moment, I find it kind of uh, moving. We establish the attitude of a kind of innocence. That nothing we might discover about ourselves or the nature of our mind will ever be a cause to love ourselves less. So there's an attitude of discovery. And to further soften our mind, we soften our body. Any tension around the eyes or temples, we just open there. cheeks and the jaws. Let your face fall off, as Pam says. You are not your face, even though we so closely associate our face with self. Actually, just another part 
our body. Relax our shoulders and our belly. Spine reaches ever so gently towards the sky and the rest of the body hangs loosely from that center column. We'll practice directing the attentional spotlight different places. I'll give you different options. The Buddha taught uh, mindfulness of breathing. With our masks, the breath at the nostrils, mouth, is very prominent. Sensations of the inhale and exhale, warmth and coolness. And so we practice putting the rest of our life down, not pushing it down, but placing it down. And devoting that attention spotlight to the sensations of breathing,
If you're wondering why, why you're doing this, that is the arising of doubt. So remind yourself while you're here. Remind yourself that training our attention is good for whatever we do in our life. Now when we stabilize our attention, there is indeed an ocean of pleasure and ease awaiting us. Remember innocence, innocence of your mind, the innocence of our habits of foraging for pleasure in the realm of fantasy, the innocence of our vigilance, Sometimes in order to leave less real estate for the discursive mind, we use mental noting silently in our own minds. As we breathe in, we might use the mental note, breathing in. As we breathe out silently, 
breathing out. Sometimes it's useful, rather than narrowing the spotlight of attention to the nostrils, to focus on the impacts of the breath across your whole body. A sense of the, the pores of your skin from head to toe. It feels like they're breathing. It tends to be a contraction on the inhale, a relaxation on the exhale. Two more places to spotlight with the attention. With your eyes closed, just gently gazing into the mixture of darkness and brightness behind your closed eyes. This is the space of mental imagery. Right now you might picture your body, you can sense that, or the room, or me. Fleeting mental images. This is how memory arises. Might be charged with a lot of feeling, but all quite innocent. Here we let go, just allow the images to um, arise and pass according to their own will. And we Softly gaze into that darkness. Now the body is in the background and this blank mental screen is in the foreground.
letting that go, and one last option to open to the soundscape, the rhythms of sound and silence. the hum of the air, purifiers. The movements of others. And we'll tend to hear what is closest, loudest. Tend to hear the beginning rather than the end of sounds. all a function of kind of vigilance. But here we open also to distant sounds, to faint sounds, to the sound of sound trailing off into silence. And we listen to the silence too. All your thoughts are also sound. But we practice listening to them rather than obeying them. And so it's like the soundscape cuts right through our own head. Even if you take your hands off the spotlight, 
and rest. What persists? What is effortless? In this last minute, just rest back in this. the attitudes of mind, the attentional spotlight here at the nostrils or the breath at the whole, in the whole body or the attention uh, anchored to the kind of blank mental screen or the soundscape external sounds or including the sound of our own thinking, just paying attention to all of it, sound. And the quality of, I don't need to do something here. I can put down the spotlight, yeah? And still there's something happening, there's knowing happening. There's no one best way to focus, yeah? You just... um, Find what feels natural. Don't pivot too much. Don't feel like you're missing out on something else. And you shift when you kind of need to shift rather than being propelled by a kind of hunger for something more, something better, by boredom, by unconsciousness, by greed and aversion. Time maybe for for a question. Is anybody, um, and you can, uh, it's okay, I'll, I'll just repeat it, yeah, is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so if there's any any question about your, your practice, and if you can just um, uh, say it, and I'll, I'll repeat it through, through the mic so everyone can hear. 
Yeah, in the back, please. Yeah, um, well, these modes I just made up here, by the way. Just FYI, you know. I can't, like, point to an ancient sutta and say, like, yeah. No, I just made it up because I thought it might be useful. But, yeah, it does apply to, it would apply to walking, too. So, okay, what's the attitude of mind, yeah? What's, like, conducive attitudes to doing the practice? Where is my attentional spotlight? Typically, feet, legs, the sensations of movement. I also noted the visual field, to be aware of seeing. That's a kind of attentional focus sometimes. Kara will say a little more about walking in a moment. Um, and then, okay, what, what don't I have to do? Like, what, where, what, what can I just like rest back in? And that's tricky because that can very quickly slouch in the direction of rumination, yeah? But there's also a sense of like, no, this is not rumination. This is just like awake in this very easeful way. And... Um, and the same thing with mental noting. Sometimes very useful to, to say left, right, left, right. Or even lifting, swing, place. And, uh, yeah, leave it there. Um, more, yeah, please. The question, what sort of sensations to look for when you experience the, the, the breath broadly across the body. Um, I think as we, as we settle in, there is a sense of like, you, you, it's more obvious on the exhalation, but if you like, you like have a, like a full exhalation, there's like this ripple of sensations that you can feel broadly across your body and it's like you're detecting the change what's the impact of the respiration on your whole body and it's not like a, a puzzle or something or something it's like just we can only notice what we notice yeah but we look with that kind of stability of attention and see what's there yeah. and um, sometimes the breath right here feels a little too confined. And so the sense of like, oh, the whole body and sometimes even paying attention to like, okay, where does the body end? And that kind of gradient of density from the sense of body, the constellation of my body into space. Yeah. Like a shift in density, denser there. And then if I attune to the space here, less dense, yeah? Okay. Um, yeah, m uh, maybe one, one more. Uh, no. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a good question. Maybe we'll say more about it at some point than, than I have t time for now. But it's a good um, good time to for a promo. 2.45 with Hakim posture in this room. He cannot tell you the posture that will be pain-free because there is no such thing. But he very likely will help. Yeah? And so, even though with a perfect posture and flexible body and everything, it's like there still will be pain. And um, just very briefly, um, attitude 
first. This belongs. This is a function of like the human inheritance, the nervous system belongs. Don't do harm to the body, yeah? But a lot of the pain we have is dharma pain, not tissue damage. Yeah. And so um, this we can actually practice with. And pain has been like one of the core teachers for me, you know, patience with pain. And how can we actually open our heart to it such that it softens us rather than hardens us? Pain usually hardens our heart, but it is possible to open to it such that it softens us. And sometimes we pay attention to the emotional reactivity of it. So the pain is in the knee, but my heart is on fire. Okay, can I bring some loving attention there? Sometimes we pay attention to the pain, but not the kind of epicenter of the pain. The pain's in the knee, but then it radiates out and creates pain through my calf and quadricep. And like, okay, I can't quite be with the pain in my knee, but I can be with this here. The kind of radiation, ripple, spread of the pain. And if we can be okay with this, just awake to it and radical permission for life to be imperfect, the burden on the heart can decrease. So we'll, we'll say more about that somewhere. Please. Do you want to do announcements after? or? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit about eating meditation and then about walking meditation. Um, I think for me, there's this tendency on retreat to, in the morning, get this, like, I get this good thing going and I'm like, I really have my shit together. And then lunch happens and everything is ruined. Um, and it's like this like rabid hyena comes out and decides to ruin everything. And so it kind of feels like there's two parts of me. Like there's the part of me that's like noting the breath and feeling the feet and noticing where the attention's going and then there's this part of me that's like this wild animal that's like fuck that i'm gonna eat all this food now or just like really needs to not have that sense of control over it and i i like to think that me is the one who's in control the one who's like noting the lifting and the moving and the placing and directing the attention and the hyena is like not me, but it's both me. And they're both valid, important parts of our experience. And I think just a lot gets surfaced when we're encountering anything that is really pleasurable. Um, and it shows us just the reality of human experience. You know, we, we really get this idea easily in a condition like this that we have control. And then lunch happens and we realize we don't actually. And so it's okay to feel messy and feel like you don't have control and doesn't mean you're not doing the practice. Doesn't mean that um, you're doing it wrong. It's just part of what life looks like, and this practice is really about bringing kind attention to whatever's happening. 
whether or not it feels like we have control or whether or not it feels like it should be happening. Um, and gentleness. We don't realize it until we have the space to look at it, but we tend to think that lunch is going to make us happy for the rest of our lives. And and then it doesn't, and we really don't want to pay attention to that. We really don't want to, to face the fact that lunch didn't do it for us. And so we just like really quickly try to move on to the next thing. And it happens at the end of lunch, and it also happens like in between bites. You know, it's like how many people like to just eat and not read while they eat or like eat and not look at their phone while they eat or eat and not talk to someone while they eat. You know, like it's hard to just eat because we don't want to be there for the moments in between bites when we're knowing there's a part of us that deeply is knowing that it's not doing it for us, that it's not as deeply satisfying as we really wish it to be. And so this practice is really about learning what deeply is satisfying to us and and ridding ourselves of the illusion that these kind of more shallow comforts are happiness. You know, and it's not that we can't enjoy things that make us comfortable and it's actually we we need things that are pleasurable to keep us going. And so it's it's actually really not about that. It's just about seeing lunch for what it is, seeing lunch as lunch, and, and seeing the ways that we're really yearning for lunch to fill a hole that it can't fill, and then getting in touch with the, the longing there, getting in touch with what that hole really is about for us. What am I really, really wanting here? that this really primal comfort is is sort of dancing around but not quite getting at. And can I meet myself there in that place of longing? And can I hold myself right now for not knowing how to meet that need? So in practical terms... Um, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to look like you're, you know, being really mindful while you eat. You know, it doesn't have to look like you're eating really slow. And, you know, you look around the room and it looks like everyone is just like having this blissed out lunch experience where lunch actually is doing it for them. But it's not. Every, like, I don't know. I think everyone has food issues, and we just don't talk about it enough. But there's, I can almost guarantee that everyone has some, a lot of stuff is happening in there that's not just, like, lifting, moving, and placing the fork in the mouth, and then having a peaceful moment in between bites. So... It's okay to eat fast, actually, and it's okay to to feel like you're losing it, and it's okay to be rushing. It's okay to let all that stuff happen and feel a little bit messy and out of control. And your only job is really to take care of yourself through all that, and 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 that might look like allowing yourself to be a mess and just feeling your feet, and it might look like catching yourself at the end of the meal and realizing that you were not able to be present the whole time and now it's a new moment and what can I be here for now? How can I hold myself now? Um, Yeah, it's helped me a lot to bring my attention down into lower parts of my body, maybe like chest and belly, but sometimes that's too intense and so like even farther down to my feet. It's like a gentle touch into the sense of my feet on the floor while the eating's happening up here. 
Um, yeah, so... Just, uh, and also just to reiterate, it's, it's, it's good and healthy to indulge in, in the pleasures that do exist here because there just aren't that many of them, you know? Like, of course, you're going to, like, feel like lunch is going to make you happy for the rest of your life because what else is there happening? <laughs> Nothing. So it's okay to, to really let yourself want it and have it and feed the, the hyena and satiate it and soothe it. We need that kind of primal comfort in order to keep doing this practice, which is quite a difficult practice. And if we just deprive ourselves of comfort, the kind of comforts that we're used to having, it's not sustainable. So it's okay to have all your quirks and like I have to have like six ice cubes in my cup with my lemonade and like I have to, you know, eat exactly this much food and I have to go up for seconds or I can't go for seconds. You know, all the different things that we have, it's okay to have those little quirks, and but just take care and notice and, and be gentle as you observe yourself with all of our, our little things that we've built up to try to protect ourselves from life. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'll say about eating for now. And with walking... Um, I, just a really quick thing about walking is that a little bit like what I just said with eating, it's okay to not walk slow. It's okay to walk at whatever pace is feeling supportive for you and being present. So it might look like walking really fast. And in fact, sometimes I think that walking meditation should be taught first because we often start to think of it as like a secondary practice. Like it's just what you do when like you can't stand sitting for longer you just take a break and like go for a walk and but actually it's really can be really quite supportive for a restless mind or just like a lot of energy and also really supportive in helping us learn what it's like to bring mindfulness outside of this you know this like really specific thing we're doing that doesn't really happen in regular life you know who just like sits around with their eyes closed for a lot of the day it's just not like how we live our lives. We walk a lot, though. So if we can learn what that is, what is that? We identify the, 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 the like what the taste of mindfulness is, what the flavor of mindfulness is, because that's what that's what we're looking for. It's not the posture we're in or the the speed we're walking or the activity we're doing. It's like the es- that was that essence of the receptive, caring contact with the present moment. And can I bring that into everything? So walking at whatever pace supports us in locating that kind of, that flavor of mindfulness, feeling the feet, walking fast, walking slow, noticing what's around you, what stabilizes your attention and helps you identify that flavor. And you can just you can get just as woke doing walking all day long as you could from sitting all day long. Okay, so it's uh, getting late. Sorry. <laughs> Go for the announcements. Oh, do you want me to announce it? No, I, I, okay. I got to. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Um, so, let's see. Um, um, the movement uh, movement sessions that have been happening in the upper walking hall will, will now happen here to have more more space for Hakim sessions and two forty five at the two forty five session. Um, there'll be a, a posture clinic. So just to um, please come come here for that if you wish. And um, the 
LGBTQ Rainbow Sangha, Afinisit um, 215, the lower walking hall. So out that door, down those stairs, and inside. Um, and uh, we'll have groups today. Um, for those of you who were not on the list yesterday, you should have. A, you should see your name today. If you don't, if you didn't see your name yesterday or today. Please write us a note with just who you are and just choose a group and go to it, yeah? Um, Cara's in the council house, Vinny's in room one, I'm downstairs where the affinity sets are. And um, I think that's it. Did I miss anything? No. Okay, Um, so we're entering the kind of heart of the retreat and Stillness, silence, sort of reverence for what's being created. And so um, stay, stay close in. It's not, you have very likely more momentum than you're aware. It already feels different in here. And um, so just ride that. And uh, let's say um, in, we'll start the groups in, in five minutes. So if you need to bow into the bathroom line or something to, to get there, please do that. And um, we'll see you all in, in a few minutes. Yeah. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.